New Year's has become synonymous with new goals. It's an opportunity for a fresh start, the beginning of a new chapter, the turning of a new leaf. It's where we go toe-to-toe -to -toe with our challenges in order to progress forward and accomplish change. We pledge the traditional goals to lose weight and pay off credit cards. We strategically set out to pursue things like personal growth, career advancement, and a healthy mind and body. But when it comes to our spiritual life, we have the tendency to keep things status quo. Today on Bloom, we'll discuss how a new year is also an opportunity to set godly goals with holy ambition. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for January 7th, 2022. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. I am so excited that you have tuned in today. If you're joining us for the first time, Bloom launches a new podcast on the first Friday of each month. So if you want to stay current on what is happening in women's ministry, Grace Church, and be a part of our growing community, hit subscribe wherever you listen. It's 2022 and we're talking about goals today. I know it sounds a little cliche, but it's also what we're programmed to do when we're on the precipice of a new year. So it seemed to be an appropriate discussion. Now for years, we've been told that a new year means New Year's resolutions. A lot of people have a negative perception of New Year's resolutions, mainly because they tend to fizzle out after a month or maybe even less. We get all excited and convince ourselves that this is the year we'll reach those goals, we'll make those changes, we'll be patting ourselves on the back because we did it. But then what oftentimes ends up happening the initial high of the excitement wanes and we end up making little to no progress until we eventually throw in the towel. According to a study published in the Journal of Clinical Psychology, only 46% of people who set a New Year's resolution follow through with the goal until completion. I have to say I'm actually a little surprised. I thought that the percentage would be a little lower than that. And in case you're bad at math, that's less than half. Very encouraging statistics, I know. When I talk to a lot of people about resolutions, many say they resolve the problem to unmet resolutions. They don't set any at all. After all, you can't not reach a goal you never set, right? And I admit that I even fell into this camp of non-resolutioners last year. Maybe you're still a believer in resolutions or you're willing to give them another try and so you're deciding that you want to go ahead and make some for this year. You consider your things like finances, your physical health and fitness, and your relationships. But what about your spiritual life? One of the biggest misconceptions about resolutions or goals is that they are unspiritual. If God is sovereign overall and we are to trust his plan, what purpose is there in setting goals for God? Of course we acknowledge God is in complete control over everything and we are called to trust his plans, but God doesn't call us to sit around idle either. Pursuing God's will requires action. Now there may be times when God calls us to be still and wait on his timing. 
even in what appears to be seasons of spiritual inactivity, we should still be actively pursuing him and his will with holy ambition. Now, how do we define holy ambition? As you may have guessed, the term holy ambition is not in Webster's Dictionary. So we first have to respectively examine the words holy and ambition individually. Now, by definition, the word holy, as it relates to us, can be referred to being dedicated or consecrated to God for his sacred purpose. We serve a holy God who is exalted and worthy of all our complete devotion. As believers, we are called to live our lives in a manner that is holy and reflects God, one that is pleasing and honoring to his perfect holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And that might sound like a tall order. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going to find topics like becoming holy in the self-help aisle at Barnes & Nobles. But God's desire for us, nonetheless, is to live holy lives for him. We can never be perfectly holy, but we still strive to set our sights on winning the prize. Now, God is not against our goals. God commands us to press on towards the goal, but not just any goal. As Paul writes in Philippians 3, he says, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God defines the goal for us. The goal in all we do in this life as followers of Christ is to be like Jesus, live like Jesus, and win souls for Jesus. That is our goal. And Christ is our prize. This is a game changer. I'm not just setting out to accomplish something for myself, but Jesus. The prize of having Christ is worth our sanctified dedication. So let's recap and identify the goal one more time. Be like Jesus, live like Jesus, and win souls for Jesus. Our goal's relationship to holiness is based on our dedication to God's agenda. We're going to switch gears for a minute to ambition. Now, ambition by itself can be a good thing or it can be a negative thing. Ambition can manifest in different ways. We can have selfish ambition, which is our desire to achieve something for our own gain and glory. The word ambition means a strong desire to do or to achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. Now, if we were to define holy ambition, we could say it is our consecrated desire to achieve God's sacred purposes in our lives. It's our ambition to accomplish God's agenda. Holy ambition in its most simplistic form is a God goal. It's when our determination meets God's design for our lives and for the advancement of his purposes. So instead of achieving something for our personal gain, we strive to achieve for God's glory. I want to take a, a minute just to distinguish between holy ambition and self-ambition. In the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, we see the story of a man named Chris Gardner, a struggling salesman who eventually found himself on the streets, broke, and on top of it all, he was a single dad with a young son. 
Now, in a turn of events, Chris ends up landing a position at a prestigious brokerage firm, but it came without compensation. With nothing to lose, Chris was driven to land a job. In a highly competitive environment with well-qualified candidates, Chris had to prove himself worthy to achieve a full-time position with pay and benefits. Between living in shelters and enduring hardships, Chris refused to give up. He had determination, grit, and ambition to overcome the obstacles and find success. Chris's motivation wasn't necessarily wrong. It's not wrong to want to try your best and provide for your family. If we were to ask Chris what the driving force behind his ambition was, his goal was to get the job and to have a better life for him and his son. Again, nothing wrong with hard work and wanting to build a better life. But let's be clear, at the core, it's self-ambition. In the end, Chris and his family benefit from his ambitious goals. Now let's take a look at another man who had to overcome a great deal in order to reach his goals. Paul. Now this is a man who had holy ambition. Once a murderer and persecutor of the church, Paul had a divine encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus that forever transformed his heart, his mission, and the trajectory of his life. Throughout Paul's ministry, he faced numerous trials, prison, house arrest, he was shipwrecked and bitten by a poisonous snake. The, the list goes on and on, all for the sake of preaching the news of Jesus. There was determination and grit, but it was driven by Paul's desire to advance the kingdom of God. That's the distinct difference. Chris Gardner was motivated to provide a better life for him and his son. Paul was motivated to provide people with the way to eternal life. Paul had holy ambition. His purpose was to live on mission for the sake of the gospel, no matter what the cost. Chris Gardner went from being a man with little to a man with great wealth as a result of his ambition. Paul, on the other hand, went from being a man of power and position to a persecuted man as a result of his ambition. For Paul, the goal was never about achieving the position. The goal was always about achieving souls for Christ. In Acts, Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesians and is preparing to go to Jerusalem. And listen to Paul's words to them in Acts 20, 22. He said, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul had no idea what the journey ahead looked like. And this is how the journey of any new goal begins. Not knowing exactly what is going to happen and how things will unfold. But Paul also recognized there would be challenge Anytime we set out towards a goal, we will be met with challenges. It's inevitable and expected. 
If challenges weren't a natural part of the progression towards a goal, it wouldn't be a goal because it would be too easy. The Holy Spirit did offer Paul a warning of what he would experience, prison and hardships. But then Paul goes on to say, I consider my life nothing to me. If we were to be completely transparent, it would be extremely hard, I think, for us to agree with this statement because we tend to place at least some certain level of value to our lives. We like comforts and conveniences, not challenges and costly sacrifices. Paul's only aim, his goal, was to finish the race God set before him, to share the gospel. Paul's words are very convicting. We've been set apart to do God's work, complete his agenda. But instead, how often do we have the tendency to set out for only what is easy, what's comfortable for us to do for God? You're probably familiar with the athlete Tim Tebow. He is a former NFL and Florida Gator quarterback with an amazing story of how he helped make John 3.16 reach millions of people during a single game. It was 2009, and Tim and the Florida Gators had been preparing for the ultimate prize in college football to win the national championship. As Tim was preparing physically and mentally for the game, God had a divine agenda to be carried out by Tim. Tim notoriously wrote a Bible verse under his eyes, and that verse was commonly Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He would put that on underneath his eyes before going into every game. Now, several weeks before this game, the national championship, the most important game in his college career, the very moment he had been striving for, God was prompting him to write a new verse, John 3:16. In an interview, Tim admitted, the next six weeks leading up to that game, I was really agonizing and contemplating what verse and God kept bringing up to my heart and to my head, John 3:16 which is the essence of our Christianity. It's the essence of our hope. After Tim and the Gators won the championship, Tim found out that during the game, 94 million people Googled John 3.16. And Tim's initial response was, honestly, my first thought was, how do 94 million people not know John 3.16? But there's still more to the story. Three years later, in 2012, Tim, now the quarterback for the Denver Broncos, was playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. And after the Broncos won, per the post-game tradition, Tim began to head into the press conference room when his public relations rep stopped him. And he told him, Tim, did you realize what happened? Tim said, yeah, we just beat the Steelers. We're going to play the Patriots. But there was something else, something much more. The PR rep told Tim, it's exactly three years later from the day that you wore John 3.16 under your eyes. During the game, you threw for 316 yards. Your yards per completion were 31.6. Your yards per rush were 3.16. 
The ratings for the night were 31.6, and the time of possession was 31.06. And during the game, 91 million people Googled John 3.16, and it's the number one trending thing on every platform. Now, regardless if I completely lost you with the stats of the game and that information means nothing to you, you can still see the pattern of the numbers 316 woven throughout the entire game. Because the goal for Tim Tebow was always to play the best and win the game, but his number one goal was to use the platform God had given him to bring Jesus glory and make him known. Most of us don't have a stage that large to reach people for Christ. But the good thing is, is that God doesn't need our titles or our platforms in order to use us. What God desires to see is people who are fully on mission for him. He is seeking those who are willing to step up and step out. In his study, Holy Ambition, Chip Ingram writes, God is looking for people who so deeply long to see God's agenda fulfilled in this fallen world that they attempt what seems impossible, ridiculous, and outside the box for God's glory. It seemed ridiculous to Tim Tebow's coaches and teammates to write John 3.16 under his eyes, but look how God used a step of faith to bring the heart of the gospel to millions of people. Holy ambition. It's our ambition meeting God's agenda. You might be caught up in what diet you want to pursue this year or you're a New Year's resolution skeptic. Either way, let's ask God this question. What do you want to accomplish in me and through me in this new year? I am joining you in this prayer for how God wants his glory to be displayed through you and me. The great thing about holy ambition is that we are all striving toward the same mark to win the prize. I would love for us to link arms together so we can accomplish great things for God this year. No matter what obstacles come, and there's going to be some, may you and I be able to look back and say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And be confident in knowing that in the future there is laid up for you and me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to you and I on that day. And not only to you and I, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Trust me, friends, the prize is well worth it. I am so thankful to our listeners and being a part of our growing community. Please join us back next month as we continue this conversation about holy ambition and how we can find our enduring stride in our race toward the mark for the prize. Looking forward to meeting you back next month. In the meantime, keep growing and God bless.